0: Several intimate man, they everywhere. Did y'all not get them coming in? They run out. Oh, okay, all right. Y'all got plenty up there. Everybody good up there? Any 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 lesson? You're not good, or you don't have an outline. Well, Tony said you wasn't good. I already knew that part. Amen. All right, y'all need some outlines? Okay, Dave's going to get some. Okay, good, 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 good. Man, I printed off about seventy five extra tonight. And we still run out. All right, that's a good problem. Amen. Hey, how about, how about our, our Fairview campus? I told him in the staff meeting if we can get at least 40, we'll be doing great. There's over 100 people in there. Let's give God praise and glory. Amen? I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm still not over that. Amen? God is doing some great, great things. And that leads us to tonight. That leads us to the lesson tonight. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the lesson tonight is a sermon that I preached about seven or eight years ago. Uh, and I took that sermon, and I had to do it in about 30 minutes, and I took it and made a lesson out of it, I made a a, a really a message that where we could sit down and talk about it. We've got, we've got time to deal with it. Uh, I didn't have the time then, so I had to go through it kind of quick. Uh, but this time we're going to go through it, and it's really important. Uh, for what God is doing and what God has done, it's very easy. Uh, and I, I hope we never get this, and I'm not saying we are. This is just preventative maintenance. How many of y'all know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? That when God puts his hand on something, it's very easy to get arrogant. It's very easy to, to lose sight of the fact that it's not us that did. It wasn't, it wasn't what we did that packed that place out Sunday. It was God's hand. It was God's favor. And, and, and we got to understand that. we got to keep that in mind. Uh, because if we don't, uh, God has a way of bringing you up, but he also has a way of bringing you down. If you get, uh, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, too big for your bridges? God has a way of fixing that problem, amen? And, and I don't want to have to fix that problem. I want God to be able to p- bestow His blessings on us and His favor on us and, and us to keep a right mentality about it and a right attitude about it. So we're going to look at this uh, thought today. If you'll look with me in Luke 22, uh, Luke chapter 22, we're going to look at the same story through different Gospels. Uh, uh, we're going to look through Luke first, start there and look at some of the other gospels, but at the same, uh, story, what Matthew said about it, what Mark said about it and, and see what we can glean from this tonight. Isn't the Lord good all the time. He is good. I need your prayers. I pray that you'll just, just pray that I'll help you. I, I, I read a statement today, uh, that really. Uh, it really challenged me, and, and, and man, I, I, I pray that I can, I can live up to it. Uh, the phrase said this, the, the, the quote was this, uh, uh, Do you love preaching more than the people you're preaching to? Let me say it again. I hope I said it right. Do you love preaching more than the people you are preaching to? In other words, the act of preaching... Do you love the act of preaching more than the, than the people you in other words, do you have the people in mind when you are delivering the message when you're delivering the sermon and man, I thought about that all day long and i I want you to know i I love you and I, and I want to do everything I can in every message I preach to build you and better you and challenge you and so we could be better people so y'all pray that I'll be able to do that tonight and all god's people say it luke 22 uh, luke 22 and let's skip, I, I, I put 31 on your notes, but let's go up to verse 24. Let's go up to verse 24, because that, that kind of sets the tone uh, for the purpose of the message. It says, and there were also, this is after the Lord's Supper in the upper room. If you all remember, right before the Lord was crucified, He took the, he took the disciples and they had a, a last meal. They had the, the Lord's Supper. And, and, and that's when Jesus got down and washed their feet. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? He got down and humbled himself and washed their feet and gave them a, a, an object lesson in humility. And even after that, even after that, they got issues. And they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Even after one of the greatest examples of humility, the greatest lessons in humility, and they're still arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Now, let's look. Now, now before you get too hard on the disciples, uh, we can be hard-headed too. Amen? Look what it says. It says, And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me or he that serveth. It's not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serveth. And he said, now your writing is red, so that's Jesus talking. And Jesus says, I'm the king, I'm your master, I'm your Messiah, I'm your savior. But look what I'm doing. I'm here as the servant. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table and in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, any time the Lord says something twice, that means pay close attention. Because what I'm telling you is important. Now, you've got to understand this. How many of y'all know when, 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 uh, when, when your, your parent calls you by your middle name? You see, Jesus had already changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter, from from Little Stone to Rock, but now he reverts back to Simon. It's almost like he's saying, you know, or the full name. You know, when, when your parent calls your full name, you better pay full attention, amen? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, amen, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Isn't that encouraging? Wouldn't that be great to hear from the Lord? But watch Simon, watch Peter's response. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. Before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. In another verse, in another verse in Mark 14, when Jesus told Peter these things, the Bible says, But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your kindness, your kindness, Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the privilege of having your word in front of us in our hands to be able to to study and to learn and to grow. I pray that you'll just guide and help us today. I pray your perfect will be done. Lord, give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you will remember, I'll get this thing right in just a minute. It keeps falling off my ear. Uh, when we originally did this sermon, we gave you the illustration of uh, the, the rumble in the jungle. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, the rumble in the jungle? We know this is the boxing match between George Foreman, which at that time was the heavyweight champion of the world, and Muhammad Ali, who was coming and, and, and trying to have a return uh, back after he had had his belt stripped from him. And in uh, October 30th, 1974, this big match, supposed to be the match of the century, took place. Uh, all the sportscasters were saying Muhammad Ali was too old; he 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 was washed up. Not necessarily washed up, but he just there's no way he could he could even stay in the ring with George Foreman. George Foreman was a massive human being. He was powerful. He was strong. He was just he was just a bull in the ring. And and all the commentators. I, I even watched some of them today. I, I, I watched some of the interviews that took place with Howard Cosell and different ones that were interviewing him and and, and what was going on and taking place. And I watched I watched an interview with George Foreman himself. And uh, and they were asking him what was his plans in case he he uh, he was to lose. And and this is George Foreman's response. He said, "I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon." He said, well, if you was to lose, and he tried, and, and the reporter tried to finish his statement, and he said, I beg your pardon. He said, so you don't think you're going to lose? There's no way I'm going to lose. No way I'm going to lose. This man's powerful. This man's strong. He's younger. Just in age itself, there was such a discrepancy between George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. And so the fight took on, and, and here we go. And you all know the history. You all know what happened. Uh, but, but this is the thing. Muhammad Ali, he he uh, used a tactic that he didn't even tell his trainer about. If you will remember, he, he would lean against the ropes. He would lean against the ropes, and George Foreman would just punch and punch and punch and punch, and he would just take it. He would just take it. And and when and George Foreman uh, was when he was interviewed later on after this, he would say when they would get together and 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 kind of tie up together in the middle of the ring. Every single time, Muhammad Ali was whispering in his ear, Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Keep punching, keep punching. And it enraged him to the point, he just kept on and on and on and on until he gassed himself out. And at the end of the eighth round, Muhammad Ali knocked him out. Knocked him out. The one who could not be beat. The one, the one who the world said could not be beat. And, and really, guys, technically, he shouldn't have been beat. He was like a modern-day Titanic. Y'all remember what, the, what was said about the Titanic? Not even God himself could sink this ship. What's the point? Here's what I want to get at. I want to talk about pride. And I want to talk about humility. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about KO'd. Getting knocked out. We have a, we have a character here in, in the scriptures we just read. in Peter. And then, an amazing, an amazing out of this whole crowd, out of this whole crowd, out of all the disciples that Jesus has been dealing with, out of all the disciples He has been walking with and training and developing and teaching, and all of this, He points Peter out. He points Peter out, and, and, he, and he's really usually addressing all of them, but He points Peter out specifically, and He said, "Look, Satan has desired to have thee, and that thee was all of them. It was Satan's desire." Satan had asked to be able to destroy the disciples. You see, he can't do anything without God's permission. And he said, Satan has asked to have you. He has asked to sift you as wheat. He's asked to destroy you. Asked you. He said, Satan has desired to have thee. That was plural. He said, but I prayed for you. Peter, you've got to understand something. Simon, Simon. Simon. He 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 pulls him out of the crowd. He he focuses on Peter and, and he says, Look, Satan wants you. Satan is desired to have you. He wants to destroy you. Now, why in the world, why in the world would Peter be the one? Why, out of all the disciples, why is the target so big on Peter's back? Why does this have to do with Peter? And why was it Peter the one who denied the Lord? And and you know we know the story. There's some things I want to talk about tonight, and we're going to go through these. We're going to go through. I hope, I hope we finish. We got to finish tonight. No hope about it. Y'all got to listen fast. Amen. Because we're going to start something new next week, so we got to finish tonight. All right. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. First off, I want you to see this. I want you to write this down. I want you to see the potential that branded him. <clears throat> What, what was it that caused Peter to be a target? It was his potential. It was his potential. Let's go back. Let's go back to another uh, verse in Scripture. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. This was, this was days before this. As a matter of fact, we read this Sunday. In Matthew 16, 18, when, when Jesus was asking disciples, who do men say that I am? Thank God it was Peter that stood forward and he stepped up. And he, hey, I, you can say what you want about Peter. Uh, he did get in trouble a lot. He was very impulsive, uh, and he got he put his foot in his mouth a lot. But I, I tell you what, he wasn't afraid, and he was courageous. And when it come time to make a profession of faith, when it come time to confess what he truly believed, he wasn't afraid to say what he truly thought. Say amen. Watch what it says. In Matthew 16, 18, uh, this was after, this was right after. He said, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And Peter said, We believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, now are you with me? Say amen. Now we know where we're at. Look what, well, look what Jesus responds to Peter. He says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be in heaven shall be loosed in heaven. So let's look at his potential minute. Two things I want to show you about Peter's potential. A, we see the potential is found in the threat he posed. The potential is found in the threat he posed. What did Jesus say? Peter, you're going to be involved in something that the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against it. Peter, you're going to be involved. You're going to be intricately involved. You're going to take part in an organization You're going to take part in the organism. You're going to take part in the church, the body of Christ, a church that is going to be powerful, a church that is going to be mighty, a church that is going to turn the world upside down, a church that will endure every generation after the resurrection of Christ, every trial. Listen, this world has tried to destroy the church. Men have tried to stomp it out. They have tried everything they could. They have burnt Christians and crucified Christians, but they've never been able to stop the church. Say amen. And he's saying, Peter, you're going to be involved in something that is going to storm the gates of hell. Preacher, what's the point? When you become a threat to the devil, you have great potential of becoming a target of Satan. And I'm saying that in two ways. One as an encouragement and one as a warning. Here's the encouragement. Preacher, why is the devil right in my back? Well, maybe it's because you have decided to sell out to God maybe it's because you've decided to put God first in your life and make God a priority and do what God has told you to do and now you are a threat to his kingdom when you were living like hell itself when you were running around in the streets when you were doing all those crazy things you were on the devil's side but now you are taking a stand now you are doing right now you are doing what God has called you to do well honey you are a threat to Satan's kingdom You are a threat to His rule. You are a threat to the people that He rules. And when you go out and tell somebody about Jesus, you're a threat to Him, and He's coming. So listen, and and, and you say, how is that an encouragement? It's an encouragement because you know it's not God doing it to you. How many times, how many times do we want to come to God and say, God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why am I going through this? It's because you're a threat. And that's a good thing. Listen, not only uh, an encouragement, but a warning. A warning, I'm telling you guys. Do you, let me put it this way. Don't you know the devil's got one of them screens too? Don't you know the devil and his minions are watching a screen of what's happening in Fairview? He's not going to take that line down. Don't you know the devil was watching Sunday morning when we held up our invite cars and we prayed over those cars and we prayed for the lost people that's going to get those cars? We prayed that God would give us divine appointments. We prayed that God would give us anointing to be able to reach the young church with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't you know he saw all that? Listen, I'm going to tell you like Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion. He roams about seeking whom he may devour. But he's after after your potential. (laughs) Your potential. Listen, his potential is found in his ability to be a threat to his kingdom. The threat that he posed. But not only that, write this down. We see his potentials found in the purpose he received. The threat he posed is in verse 18. The the purpose he received is in verse 19. He said this, And I will give thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, look at this. If you go study Acts chapter number 8, actually, excuse me, let's just say uh, Acts 1 through 10, you will find a central figure, You will find a central figure in the explosion of the early church. In the beginning, the explosion, the going forth of it, uh, uh, Acts 2, Acts 8, and Acts 10. Now, can anybody tell me who that figure is? That's right. That's right. What was Jesus referring to? What was Jesus referring to when he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom? Well, here's the deal. In Acts chapter number 2, Peter preached a message, and thousands of Jews received the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they gladly received his word and were baptized, and the Lord added to the church daily. Listen, such as should be saved. Somebody say amen. Amen. He added them to the congregation. They received Christ. This was a Jewish congregation. These were Jewish uh, 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 believers now in Acts chapter 2. But then we find in Acts chapter number 8, we find... Uh, a, a Samaritan, a Samaritan which was half Jew and half Gentile. And 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 Peter was instrumental in bringing them into the kingdom. But then in Acts chapter number 10, we find Cornelius, which was full-blooded Gentile. And we see that Peter was instrumental in bringing them into the kingdom. Now the church is one. It is not Jew and Gentile anymore. It is one man, the body of Christ. Are you all with me? And Peter was used mightily and great. God had a purpose for his life. And that is awesome and that is great. But you got to understand, your purpose will become a target. You have a purpose. You have a designed purpose by God. God has great. How many of y'all, I, I was studying this and I was thinking about this word. How many of y'all seen that, that commercial with Pinocchio and he's looking out and saying, you have potential, you have potential, you have potential, and his nose is growing the whole time. Well, guess what? This is not that commercial. I want everybody to know you got potential and you got potential and you got potential. Mr. Brown, you got potential. You, the devil's going to tell you you don't. The devil's going to tell you you can't make a difference. Let me tell you something. Peter denied the Lord three times. He wasn't nothing but a cussing heathen and a fisherman, and he wanted to go back on God. He messed up a lot of things, but guess what? He was still used by God. Somebody ought to shout glory right there. He was after his potential. It wasn't that he was such a better person than the rest of the disciples. John was the one closest to Jesus. John was the one that had such an intimate relationship with Christ, he would would put his head on the Lord just to hear his heart beat. He was so close to Christ that that Christ entrusted his own mama with John. When he died on the cross, he said, Take care of my mama. Now, you know you close somebody when you trust your mama with them. But guess what? That's That's not who Satan targeted. Because he was after his purpose. He was after his potential. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but you're in a place, and I'm not saying this arrogantly. Matter of fact, this scares me. You're in a place that's got incredible potential to make a difference in this world. Let me tell you something. I told you this before. I hope you all remember this. Maybe you don't. Dr. Craig Edwards is an is a unbelievable preacher and teacher, just crazy, unbelievable write songs, just, just, I mean, I mean, can just, just play about any instrument there is. Got so much talent. And, and this is what he said to me. He said, Malcolm, what's happening at Temple is not happening everywhere. Now watch this, follow this. He said, matter of fact, it's not happening at people that are better than you. I said, thanks for the edification. (laughs) I'm his son in the faith. He can talk to me however he wants to talk to me. (laughs) He said, son, it's not because you're a good person. He said, I love you like my own son. He said, I think you're a great person. He said, "There's, there's, there's, there's probably better preachers and there's probably better pastors that it's not happening. And I said, you know, you're right. I know that. I get that. I understand. And this is the point he made. He said, son, what God is doing over there is not for you. God has always got a bigger plan. I mean, here's the the illustration. How many of y'all remember a man by the name of Joseph? He gives Joseph a dream, right? In the dream, he's going to rule over his brethren. He's even going to rule over his mother and father. Now, you think, uh, now, in Joseph's 17-year-old self, whoo, look at what I'm going to be able to do. But you know what? It wasn't for Joseph. It wasn't because God just loved Joseph so much, and he just had all that favor. He did love him. He did have favor on him. He did bless him. But listen, he had a bigger picture, and that was saving the nation of Israel. And the bigger picture than that is he was saving the lineage and the line of Jesus Christ. Through the nation of Israel, you see this this whole ruling on the throne thing is not for Joseph. See, God's always got a bigger plan. And here's my point: this whole thing that God's doing here, I, I don't I don't know I don't know of a church the size of our church that's planted a church like we planted and had six hundred people the first day. That's ridiculous. That has made us do all kind of different planning that we didn't plan on planning. (laughs) But you know what? That needs to humble us and realize this is a God thing. And we better be careful not to miss out that this is a God thing. This ain't no temple thing. It's ain't because we got great administrators. It's not because we have great any anything, but a great God. Listen, number one, the potential that branded him. I'm, I'm gonna try to go faster with others, because I'm, I missed. I just went too long on that one. <clears throat> number two. Number two, not only the, the, the potential that branded him, but number two, I, I want you to see, the preaching that bothered him. The preaching that bothered him. We see this man has great potential. We see he's got a great purpose. He's got a great design by God to do something awesome and incredible. But then Jesus confronts him. Jesus confronts him. And, and, and this may, I'm not going to say it is, but there's a great possibility that Jesus is doing this because of what was going on in verse number 24. Maybe this is because they were... Now, let's think about it this way. Let's think about it this way. Let's get a little background. All right? Peter was one of the the, the three amigos. Uh, Some of y'all are like, whoa, what are you talking about? There were places and times and things that Jesus did only with Peter, James, and John. They were the inner circle, if you will. In other words, they have a more favored position than the other disciples. When he went in the room and healed, or actually not healed, he raised this this daughter, uh, the the, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter from the dead, he didn't take anybody with him but Peter, James, and John. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, or excuse me, before that, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he left his other disciples and took with him Peter, James, and John. Up to the mountain. And when they were up on the mountain, it was where he was transfigured. In other words, what does that mean? That's when the glory that was in him, the deity that was in him, when deity started showing through humanity, and he started glowing from the inside out, and they saw the glory of who he really was. Only Peter, James, and John was there. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember right before he was arrested, he goes in there in his darkest hour, and he tells his disciples, Pray, Pray, tarry, and pray, my soul is troubled, Terry, and pray. And he took a little further. He took Peter, James, and John a little further, and here we go. And he tells them, because they are the closest to him. Now, let me ask you a question. Could that favor, could the privilege of that type of relationship with God gone to their head? I know they were all arguing over who was going to be the greatest, but it could have been the rest of them against them three because them three might have thought, hey, we, 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 we tight. Now listen, let's understand, let's, un- let's just clear the air right here, okay, and understand that all the characters in the Bible were human beings. Doesn't the Bible say that Elias was a man of like passions as we are? What does that mean? It's like my grandma said he put his britches on just like I do. So they have weaknesses like we they have They have issues just like we do. They've got prideful just like we do. Are y'all with me? And they're fussing and arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is trying to confront this situation. Peter may have been the ringleader. Who walked on water? Who was usually the first to step up and do anything first? So Peter probably thought he was the man. And Jesus confronted him. He said, Peter, you need to understand something. Your spirit's very willing, but your flesh is weak. He confronted him. He challenged him. You see, that's the difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching is giving out information. Preaching is getting in your face with it. Teaching is, here's the information. Preaching is, here's the information. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's why the Bible says, In the last days people shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. A preacher will get in your grill. Say amen. And that's exactly what Jesus did to Peter. Now, there's two things I saw in this. In this. let me, Let me read it. Let me read it. Look what it says. In Mark chapter 14, look in your notes. We're going to look at Mark's view of this situation. Same, same situation, just from a different view. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, this this is after Peter said, I love you more. And they all, because Jesus told him, the shepherd's going to be smitten and the sheep are going to scatter. And Peter said, Not me. They all can leave. They all can run. I ain't going nowhere. I love you. And basically what Peter's trying to say is, I love you more than all these. You know what Peter's trying to say? I'm the greatest. And Jesus confronts him. And he says, this day, you think you're the greatest? You think think you're tougher than everybody else and you think you won't run out? I'm going to tell you what, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me and the cock is not going to crow in the morning until you've done it three times. Now watch. Verse 31, look in your notes. But he spake the more. You know what that means? He got an attitude about it. Now how many of of y'all can be honest for about seven seconds? See y'all just all liars in the house? Let's try the balcony. How many of y'all can be honest for about seven seconds? See, what a great crowd. Thank you. Y'all are closer to heaven. That's what it is. You're just an elevated (laughs) crowd. A quarter of the hands is raised down here. They can't be honest more than seven seconds. Here's the question. How many of y'all have been preaching? Probably right at this moment. And God said something that made you get an attitude. Let me, let, me, let me clean it up a little bit. Let me make it easier to swallow. How many times has a preacher preached something you didn't necessarily like? Two things I want you to write down about preaching, Bible preaching, real preaching. Not, not this fake junk you see on TV. But real preaching. First thing you got to understand about preaching and the Word is it disregards. It disregards. Now, what do I mean by that? Who'd he single out? Who'd he single out? Who are we talking about? Out of all the disciples, who do you think anybody in that day would have picked out as the top dog? Who was the spokesman? All right, now Watch. Here's the thing about preaching in God's Word. It don't care who you are. Preaching don't care who you are. Preaching don't care nothing about your pedigree. Preaching don't care how much money you have in your bank. Preaching don't care what, what, what titles you hold. Preaching don't care who your background is. Preaching don't care. Listen, the Word of God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are walking crooked, it don't care who your title is. It will get in your stuff. Can you imagine Peter? He's so confident, self-confident in himself. In front of all of those disciples, in front of all of those who he thinks he is favored, he thinks he, has, he is the stuff, and God challenges him in front of everybody. I don't know about y'all, you got to understand something. Preaching ain't, preaching ain't fun sometimes. Because you got to tell people what they don't want to hear. And you can't, you can't let who they are determine what you say. You see, that's why I don't know what none of y'all put in the bank account. So I don't have to worry about it. I can tell you what I want to tell you, and I don't care how much money you give to this church. Well, I'm going to take mine and go. I don't even know who you are, so go on. (laughs) Well, what what if you upset the big tithers? I don't know who they are. So I can say anything I bless it well please and what God tells me to do. Are y'all with me? Preaching disregards. It is not a respecter of person. It does not matter. The Bible is right. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Preaching will get in your face. Amen. Preaching disregards. But then it, then it does this. Then it does this. I found this out about preaching. This is worse than the person. Preaching reveals. Guess what? You can hide from your mama. You can hide from your dearly beloved wife. You can hide something from your husband. But you ain't going to hide nothing from the Holy Ghost. Let me read a verse. Some of y'all are getting a little squeamish. <clears throat> Look what it says. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick, that means alive, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder the of soul and spirit, and of the joints and as it is cerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, all we can see is the outside, but God can see the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things, say that with me, but... All things are naked and open under the eyes of him whom we have to do. What are you you saying? Listen, you can put a good front up to me. You can put a good front up to your neighbor. But God looks right through that front. He looks right through that facade. And he goes right to the heart of the matter. And he knows what's really in you. And when he confronted Peter, when he preached the word to Peter, what did he do? He told Peter the truth. And the truth revealed to Peter who he really was. That Peter wasn't who he thought he was. That Peter wasn't as strong as he thought he was. That Peter didn't have it all together like he thought he did. Now let me say this. Let me say this, and I hope y'all get this. There are times that we are just like Peter, that I think I got it all together. And I truly believe. I don't believe Peter was faking it. I believe when Peter said, I'm ready. I believe he truly meant it. But the problem was, he wasn't. And when the preaching of the word got in his face and revealed to him who he really was, he didn't like it. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in the pew and God showed me who I really was. And I didn't like it. And see, here's the thing. we got two choices in the matter. When that happens... Now let me say, if somebody's just up up spouting off and being arrogant and just, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing about being angry at somebody if they're just pushing preferences or something down your throat. But if somebody's preaching God's Word and it cuts you to the heart, you got two choices. You can either submit and get better, or you can get stubborn and get bitter. There's no, there's no in-between. Let me, let me give you two things. Man, I'm not going to have no time. There, were two, there was two situations in the book of Acts, if y'all remember. You remember when the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, when Peter got through preaching? You remember on Acts chapter number 2, when, 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 when Peter got through preaching, the Bible says that they were pricked in their heart. They were pricked in their heart. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? And he said, said, repent. And you know what they did? They repented. And they got saved. But how many of y'all remember there was a man by the name of Stephen? If you go look at Stephen's sermon, he preached the same sermon Peter preached. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is a difference in terminology. The Bible says when Stephen preached, they were cut to the heart, not pricked in the heart. Those who were pricked in the heart, they repented and submitted and, and believed the word and were saved and added to the church. Those that were cut to the heart picked up rocks and threw them at Stephen until he was dead. And they literally came against Stephen and bit him with their own mouths. They were so angry at the preaching. They were so bitter at the truth that they had heard. When God opened their hearts and revealed to them who they really was, they were so angry about it, they literally bit him with their mouths. What's the difference? You see, if I had a knife, and I stuck that knife to this fabric, and that fabric gave, that fabric submitted and gave to the pressure of the knife, it would only prick it. But if that fabric stiffened up and wouldn't receive the truth of the knife, the sword, the word of God, guess what would happen to that fabric? It would cut it. Let me tell you, there's people that come into the house of God and they hear preaching and they repent and they submit and God changes their life and God brings healing into their life. But then there's others that come and they don't like what they hear because God reveals to them who they really are. You know what I find that I hate in all kinds of people? What I see in myself. Most people that are bitter and angry at other people, they're not bitter at who they are. They're bitter at what they see in themselves. The preaching that bothered him. Then number three, the pride. The pride that blinded him. I don't know if you... I hope everybody's lived long enough on this planet to know how powerful pride is. Pride will cause you to stay in a, in a bad way longer than you have to. You have, you have an argument with your spouse, and all you got to do is go and make it right. All you got to do is go and apologize. All you got to do is go and, and do right. But you're so prideful, you'll stay in a bad way that's harmful to the relationship, harmful to you, and make you stay in something you don't even want or like just because you're too prideful to make it right. How many times has churches had the same problem? Someone hurt someone's feelings in church. Someone said something. Someone done something. Whatever that might have been. And it might have been a legit thing. But instead of going and making it right or going and trying to make it right, pride will just make you angry and bitter. I'm not denying you. I'm ready, he says. I am ready. What basically is pride? Pride is too much self-confidence. That's, that's what pride is. Pride is an over, an, <coughs> excuse me, an unsafe amount of confidence in your abilities. He said, I'm ready to go even to death. And Jesus just shook his head. Pride blinded him. And he wouldn't listen. Guys, let me tell you something. And I hope you get this. The Bible says, humble thyself under the mighty hand. Say that with me. Under the mighty mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due season. Now, to God's people, he says, humble yourselves. You do it. So I don't want to. No problem. Then he will. Why? Because you're his. I can look in a crowd of youngins, and all them youngins acting ignorant and stupid and, and 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 ridiculous. And I can go in that crowd, and I can find mine, and I'm gonna snatch him up. Why? They belong to me. And here's the thing: you belong to God, whether you like it or not. If you're saved, you're a child of God. You belong to Him, and you can choose to humble yourself. But if you choose not to, he going to. And I'm telling you this by experience that you want to do it yourself because it's a whole lot less painful. Let me let me hurry. Let me hurry. I got to get to this one. What was number one? Tell me number one. Everybody together. Number one the the potential that branded him. Number two the that preaching that bother you don't even like to say the word bother do you oh yeah the preaching that okay number three the can everybody see that man he just he didn't want to hear it he didn't want to hear it i mean you have jesus god's son the author the the beginning and the end alpha omega he's telling him he ain't listening not lastly almost lastly <clears throat> what are we at number four number four i want you to see the pain that broke him y'all know the story i'm, I'm gonna try to save some time they arrest jesus they arrest jesus and, and let me let me give this to peter he did he did risk his life he did he he did swing the sword and cut the servant's ear off and then he got chewed out by jesus that thoroughly confuses Peter. He don't get it, man. What are you doing? I'm the only one. I'm the only one to risk my life. You what in the world? You know, put your, put your sword up, Peter. He gets chewed out by Jesus. He, he he don't know what's going on. They arrest him. They take him. Peter's confronted. He said, "You're one of them, huh?" Second time, you know. Hey, I'm pretty sure your you're, 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 your way you talk. You got to be no. Third time, he even cusses. He even cusses. I don't know this man. They left him alone after that. Now here's the thing. When he denied him the third time, according to Scripture, they were in the same proximity so that Jesus and Peter's eyes met. At the very moment, he denied the Lord the third time he looks up and sees Christ. And he turns and he weeps bitterly. I looked that phrase up, wept bitterly. It literally means he cried so hard and so much and so bad that he ran out of tears to cry. He was so broken. He was so hurt. He was so broke. He didn't have no more tears to cry. Two things about pain I want to give you. I, I looked at these things and I went, wow. What is pain? What is pain? A, if you're taking notes, write this down. Pain is an indicator. Pain is an indicator. This is, <clears throat> watch what watch what is described, medically described that pain is. Pain is there to warn an organism that something is causing them damage and that they should do something about it. Preacher, why am I in this pain? It may be because something is in your life that's causing you damage and you need to do something about it. What was in Peter's life? Pride. Pride. Now watch this. Pride was a debilitating factor in Peter's life because God cannot stand pride. What, is it, what does it say? God resisteth the proud. If God resisteth the proud, then, then, then Peter's pride in his life is damaging him. It's causing damage. Watch this. It's causing damage to his potential. It's causing a hindrance and a blockade and, and, and problems with his purpose and his potential. And God had to bring something in his life, a pain, to reveal to him and show him what's happening in your life right now is causing damage, and you need to do something about it. When you put your hand on a hot coal, those signals that run up your arm to your brain says, Dummy, that's hot. Y'all with me? That pain just signaled and communicated to you something's wrong, something is causing damage, and something needs to be done about it. Maybe you're going through a difficult situation right now. Maybe you're experiencing something that's causing pain in your life. It may just be that God is trying to use that pain to get your attention, to wake you up, shake you into reality, and tell you that you're doing something in your life that's causing damage, and something needs to be done about it. His pain broke him. Satan desired, desired to have them, they may sift you as wheat. God allowed Satan to have a, a hand in Peter's life. God took the hands off. God took, the, took the, the shield off, if you will. God took the hedge away, if you will, and allowed Satan to come in and sift Peter and cause great pain to Peter. He went out and wept bitterly, and it broke him. It broke him. Listen, pain is an indicator. But not only that, not only that, I wrote this down. Pain is a motivator. How many of of y'all grew up when they were still whipping children? Y'all with me? How many of y'all know what this sound is? Is anybody aware of that sound? Does it still cause you chills today? I won't even do it today. I'll pull them out one at a time just so I don't hear it again in my life. (laughs) Preacher, what are you saying? It was pain that motivated me to get good grades. It was pain that motivated me to keep my nose clean. It was pain that motivated me early on in my life not to run in the house of the Lord. It was pain that motivated me not to throw a rock at the deacon's child and bust his ear open and make him have to go to the emergency room. (laughs) Now, before you get too sideways with me, we was all throwing. I was just better than him. (laughs) But needless to say, pain helped me understand not ever to do that again. How many of y'all know God will use pain in your life to motivate you to get right? Yeah. Let's hurry, let's hurry. i got to get to the last one. Let me, let me read this. <clears throat> pain. Pain teaches us the need to modify future behavior. Despite the debilitating effects pain can have on an organism, without it there would be no stopping people from putting their lives in health and health in danger. People would behave with abandon, engaging in dangerous activities without having to fear the continued pain that could follow. Don't get mad when God has to bring pain in your life because He's trying to keep you safe. Listen, when my father would say this hurts me more than it hurts you. Listen, he was trying to teach me listen, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to do something foolish and go out in the street with your bicycle and get run over by a semi. Y'all with me? Watch what, watch what the psalmist said. Psalm one nineteen sixty seven. 67. Before, say that with me. Come on, everybody. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. What happened when God had to get his attention? But now, you know what he's saying? Pain was a motivator. And all God's people said, I can't leave you. <clears throat> I can't leave old Pete in the throes of depression. I can't, I, I, Peter, man, he had such great potential. Yeah. Can you imagine the people that, that, that knew about his potential and knew about what Jesus said about him? And now they said, it's good while lasting. Old Pete's a mess now. Day one, Jesus was in the tomb. Can you imagine what Peter's thinking? He's probably in hiding. And I'm not talking about hiding from the authorities. He's probably hiding from all them people who he told who's greater than. Day two. Day three, and this is what takes place. Peter was broken. Peter got KO'd. The devil pulled a rope of dope on him. He didn't think he could fall. He didn't think he could mess up. But his cheek hit the canvas, and he's broken. But let's see how Jesus responds. To a broken man. The Bible says this <clears throat> the process, number three, the process that blessed him. In Mark chapter number sixteen, verse four, it says, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted, they were scared. And he said unto them, Be not afraid, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he's risen. And he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Check it out. He said, But I want you to do this. I want you to go his way, your way and tell his disciples and. Yeah. <laughs> you see, Jesus comforted him. He said, Tell his disciples and. Yeah. Why do you think he said that? I don't believe, I don't believe it was just for the sake of Peter. I believe it was for the sake of all those disciples to let them know, hey, Pete's still in the gang, boys. You know how I know that? Because they were Baptists. <laughs> and Baptists have a tendency to shoot their own wounded. It's amazing to me. I don't understand. We're supposed to heal and help the wounded, but we like to kick them when they're down. And Jesus reminded them, say, hey, boys, watch how you treat him. He's still one of us. Aren't you glad we have a God that when we fall and hit the canvas, he will comfort us? Listen, he comforted him. Then be, hurry, 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 hurry. In John 21, in John 21, this is when Jesus Finally meets up with, with with Peter. I know. I know they had a conversation before this takes place, but this is a time when Jesus has to get 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 real with him. You remember when you remember when Peter said he said, "All these will leave, but not me." When he said all these, he's talking about all the disciples. He's implying that he's greater than them. He's implying that he loves Jesus more than all the rest of them. You don't, got, you don't have to worry about me. Hey, they can all leave. I'm not going nowhere. Right? What did he do? He denied him three times. Watch what happens. Jesus challenges him. This was after they had went fishing and, and, and fished all night and caught nothing. And, 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 and Jesus told them what to do. And they caught this big group of fish. And they said, oh, that's the Lord. Peter bails out the ship, swims ashore, shore. Now, now they're sitting at the shore eating. So when they had died, Jesus saith to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. See what he did there? He went back to that old name again. Lovest thou me more than these? Hello? You sure? You remember that last conversation we had, Peter? You, you sure you love me more than these? Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second. second time. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time. He saith unto him the third time. How many times did he deny him? Three. Just a thought. <coughs> Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? I believe his memory was coming to him. And he said unto him, Watch this, guys. Watch this, guys. Lord, thou knowest all things. First time, Peter, you love me? Oh, yeah. Second time, Peter, you love me? Yeah. Peter, you love me? You know. You know whatever love I got you know what it is I thought I knew back then but I, apparently I didn't know you know what he's doing now he's submitting now you see he's still getting he's getting preached to now he's getting a sermon but his attitude is different. you see it? His attitude's different He said, you know the first time he told Jesus he's crazy, I'm ready to die for you." But now he's saying, whatever you say is right. Whatever you're saying, you know. He said, and he said unto them, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Number three, or C, the process that, that Peter went through. First, Jesus comforted him. Aren't you glad God will comfort you before he chews you out? He gets you picked up, dusts you off, gets you straight, gets you on your feet again, and then he challenges him. But then, thirdly, he confirms him. And, and when you write that, look at me, because I don't have no time on the clock. We in OT. <clears throat> look at me. Look at me, everybody. Say, so what do you mean? He confirmed him. Who stood on the day of Pentecost and saw thousands saved? You know what God was telling to all of that crowd? He's still mine. Not only that. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look at me. Look at me. I'm putting them nose up. Look at me. You know what God said when he used Peter to see thousands saved on the day of Pentecost? Watch this. Watch this. You'll you'll appreciate this. You may have messed up big time, but I can still use you. Ho, 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 hey, amen. Hey For all you perfect people, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> but if you've ever messed up, watch this right here. If you've ever been broken, if you've ever went to the point you just wept so much you couldn't even, you couldn't even cry no more and you thought God was done with you, well, be of good cheer. Peter's revival service on the Day of Pentecost shows me that I may mess up, but I've got a good fixer. (laughs) Give God praise and glory. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dismiss. Let's go home. Lord, thank you.